Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Cool. Well, hopefully you've had time to get to uh, Matthew chapter 5. Hopefully you're there, but uh, we are... We're going to be looking at, for quite a while actually, we're going to really camp out and spend some time in the Sermon on the Mount. This is a really popular passage of scripture. It is the longest portion of Jesus' teaching that we see. I mean, he just really, it's three chapters of just Jesus just pouring out his teaching about what it means to be a Christian and to live a Christian life. Uh, and maybe you're sitting here like, ooh, I... You're saying it's popular, but I, I've never actually heard of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm willing to bet there's parts of it you actually have heard, and you just didn't know that that was Jesus. Uh, let's get some show of hands here. If you have ever heard any of these sayings, let's, let's see your hands. Let's get a poll going. Treat others as you would want to be treated. Come on, golden rule now. Starting easy. That's Jesus. That's not Plato or Socrates. That's Jesus. That's, that's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, the, the, the sermon that Jesus preaches that we're going to be looking at for quite a while now. Um, what about this one? It is better to give than to receive. Anyone ever heard that saying? Don't be stingy. Better to, better to give than to receive. Well, that's Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, this one, maybe, I'm not sure. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Eh, eh. All right, well, definitely this one. An eye for an eye. It's only fair. It's an eye for an eye. Come on. Who's seen it? Jesus, again. So, so I'm willing to bet most of you, even if you didn't know it, you've heard the Sermon on the Mount, or at least the sentence in it. So um, we're going to be looking at that, but I need, I, I, need, I need you guys to get this. The Sermon on the Mount, though, is not just a a bunch of, just a conglomeration of wise sayings that fit really well on a coffee mug or a nice picture in your living room. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount's meant to be more than that. Uh, and, and, but we don't always treat it that way. Personally, if I time travel back to my uh, 16-year-old self when I first got my, my first car, uh, I remember I, I made like a list of Bible passages that I really like, and uh, because I wanted to customize my license plate, because I was a cool Christian like that, and everyone's going to know it, and so uh, I had like two, Tim, four, seven, like I don't know, like whatever it was, you know, like you kind of abbreviate and make it fit on a license plate, uh, and one of them, the one that actually stuck, and I don't know if I saw this license plate or not, but it was my first license plate, it was Matt 516, Matt 5. Uh, Matt, M-A-T-T, 516. And if you look that up, uh, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. It's let your light shine before men so they may see your good deeds and glorify, not you, your Lord in heaven. And, uh, and so I got that. I was like, man, everyone thinks I'm an awesome Christian. Actually, I got a lot of people too, mainly older people at my church. They were like, we are so proud of you and the man you're becoming. I'm like, I'm Thank you, Gail. <laughs> you know, like, whatever it was, you know. Uh, but, uh, but the sad thing is, is I wasn't necessarily letting my light shine bright for all people to see my good deeds and glorify my Lord in heaven. I uh, wasn't living the best Christian life. My 16-year-old self wasn't. 
to me, the Sermon on the Mount was more of just a pithy little saying that would have fit well on my license plate as well as it would have maybe on your coffee mug. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is filled with not just wise sayings, but really it's a, it's a challenge. It's a hard challenge to Christians, not non-Christians, people that don't believe in Jesus, but if you profess the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then it's a deep and hard challenge for us. And that's why I titled this uh, Radical, because I think the Sermon on the Mount calls us to be radical Christians, not like terrorist radical, like, like deeply committed, passionate Christians that are serious about what we say we believe. And so um, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and overarchingly, we're calling it radical, but uh, really, actually, it's made up of three sermon series. They're not just one large sermon series. It's three separate ones, and you'll, you'll notice as we go along, they're distinct sermon series. Because I, I was reading over and over and over and over again the Sermon on the Mount, and I noticed that it was actually uh, three separate things. I, I categorized three separate things that Jesus addresses, all having to do with the radical life of a Christian. The first one is our radical uh, commitment to Jesus in our relationships. How we relate with one another, how we talk to our peers, how we, how we uh, look at other people. It's our interaction horizontally, if you will. And so for our first sermon series, uh, we're starting next week, we're going to be looking at our radical call to live for Jesus and our relationships with other people. That's the first chapter, at least, uh, of his sermon, Matthew uh, chapter 5. It takes the entire chapter. And then our next sermon series, we're going to be looking at how he calls us to not only radical uh, living for him horizontally, but actually there's this radical living for him vertically that we sometimes don't think about or, or uh, we just forget about. There's this uh, religious aspect, these religious uh, disciplines that he says, if you are committed to me, you're called to do these things. And so he talks about the idea of fasting, sacrificing to focus more on him. And so we're going to talk about fasting. He talks about prayer. And he talks about uh, giving, tithing, uh, things that are really uncomfortable to talk about. Uh, but the religious practice is to really live for him and to focus our attention on him, a vertical, radical relationship for God that seems radical, at least, to uh, the world around us. And then the last one, radical results. It's, this isn't so much a challenge to us as much as it is a promise. To us, After he talks about how we should live radically for him horizontally, and then he talks about how we should live radically for him vertically, uh, he really finishes in chapter 7 with this radical, amazing promise that Christians have to hold on to. Not because they did those things, not because they lived a good Christian life. It's, you lived a Christian life, that's good, but because you are a professing Christian, because you have your faith in Jesus, because he is your Lord and Savior, you have this to look forward to. And so he actually finishes the Sermon on the Mount talking about heaven and eternity with him and how we have connection with him, even uh, in this uh, life that we have on this earth, that we can pray to him and have connection with him. These are radical results of having a relationship with Jesus. And so uh, these are three distinct sermon series that we're going to be going through. Um, but my hope is that as we go through each one of these series, that we would be stretched, that we would be challenged, maybe convicted. It's never a fun word. 
that God would work on us through these and that we might see uh, places where we're not actually uh, living to the depth in which we should in our commitment to him and that we really aren't uh, looking at people the right way or we aren't treating people the right way uh, if we are truly a Christian and living for him or maybe we aren't spending our time uh, focusing on him and our prayer life like he's called us to if we really are his followers. And so um, maybe we're going to be challenged a little bit. It's possible. It's possible that it might actually be exposed to a few people. I'm actually anticipating that might be the case. I don't know. I don't know. But it might just be the case that uh, it might be exposed that our commitment actually isn't there. Maybe you you'd find if this is if this is what it look it looks like to be committed to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm not. I'm not, and I haven't been living. Christian life, at least how Jesus describes it. I've been living uh, a Christian life how the world describes it, how everyone else understands it, but what the Bible says about a Christian life, I'm not committed to Jesus. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case, the Sermon on the Mount. It's not only challenging, but really, it's a test of our commitment. It's not only sometimes difficult to swallow, but really, we're looking at it, it's a challenge that we really have to consider, are we committed to Jesus? It puts that question right in our faces. Am I genuinely committed to Jesus? Because some of these, some of these things that he calls us to, if you are a Christian, they're hard. They're difficult, and we might sometimes want to boil it down to be like, ah, I didn't really mean it that way, or ah, that was for that culture, or ah, I don't know. He, I think that was a hyperbole. I think he really just meant this. <clears throat> I think that <clears throat> Jesus' teaching really is a test of our commitment. And where do I get that? I don't want to just say something and just make that up. Uh, <clears throat> man, I got something in my throat. If you read the last, the last thing that he says in the Sermon on the Mount, you can flip there if you've got your Bible open, uh, but it's the very last thing. He finishes the sermon with this. Let me read it real quick, starting in verse 24. It says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, he just preached three chapters, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built a house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house and it collapsed and it collapsed with a great crash. So this is how Jesus finishes his, his teaching on the mountain. I think it's really important because I think it shows us that what he just taught is a test of our commitment. Are we genuinely committed to Jesus? Not by name, not by saying I'm a Christian, but by practice, by how I live, am I genuinely a Christian? Not by title, by action. Am I a Christian? Am I committed to Jesus I think what he says here at the very end, he says, therefore, if you listen to what I say, you're like a man that builds his house on the rock. You really are. But if you hear what I say and you don't, 
do what I say? If you don't follow these commands, if you don't commit yourself to even a harsh teaching like this, you built your house on sand and it's going to be destroyed. That's bad, by the way. But I want you, I want you to notice this. Get this, okay? This is something that maybe we, do, we just miss out on. There's, there's really two groups of people. There's two groups of people. First, the, the person that hears the words of mine and they act on them, right? And then there's also the people that hear the words that Jesus gives and they don't act on them. That, and he gives this analogy of a person building a house. Okay, you're following with me? Tracking with me? He gives this analogy that both guys build a house, but one builds it on a rock and the other person builds it on the sand. We have to get the similarity here. Both built a house. That seems basic, like, oh, that's, <laughs> Isaac, you really did your study this week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Got to take notes on that one. <laughs> but think about it. They both built a house, and really, the house probably looked the exact same as the other person. Their houses probably looked similar. They were houses. That's what we know of them. The only difference was the foundation that they were built on, a foundation you can't see by just looking at the house. You're like, man, that's a steady foundation. That one's cracked. Like, you, you see the house, and they both built a house. And so for the person that built their house, but it was on the sand, not on the teachings of Jesus, people very well could have seen them and said, wow, that's a Christian household. Man, that's a Christian living They both looked the exact same. The person that genuinely was a Christian, the one that wasn't, they both had houses, and from the outside, looking in, people watching their lives, very well could have thought the one that wasn't, that they were a Christian. But the reality is that no one saw, this is so important, the reality that nobody saw was that at the end of it all, the only person that was a Christian that wouldn't be destroyed was a person that dug their roots into the teachings of Jesus, that was committed to what Jesus had to say of how they lived, that they founded the way they lived on what Jesus set up for them and had for them and that what he wanted them to do I think the reality is that we can see today in the church, maybe ET, is that there's people that have built a house. They're like, wow, that's a Christian house. That's a Christian house. We're all Christian houses here. But I think when eternity comes around our corner and when we meet Jesus, the judge on his throne, only those who have their roots sunk into Jesus' teaching that they have their foundation built on what the word has to say about how they should live, only those people will Jesus say, I know you, and you really are a committed follower of me. I mean, if you look at the passages right before verse 24, if you've got it open, fact check me. Right before verse 24, Jesus says, there will be people, there will be people that will come to me in eternity, and I will have to tell them, I did not know you, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, I prophesied for you, and Jesus said, I never knew you, and you never knew me. The reality is that we all have our houses built. We're the only person that will stand for eternity and won't 
collapse is the person that has their roots sunk into Jesus' teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, it's a test of our faith. It's a test of our commitment to Jesus. And really, it's radical because if you go, as we will, if you go through the sermon, there's some crazy things that just like, ooh, I, I don't know. That expects a lot from me. Matthew 5, 39, it's, uh, he starts talking about how we shouldn't resist people that will do us harm. Hey, get this. This is, this is scripture. This is the teaching that Jesus says you need to sink your roots into. You need to base your life on. And if you don't, you aren't wanting to follow what I have for you. He says in 539, don't resist those who want to do harm to you. In fact, that seems like enough, right? Like, geez, oh, I don't want to, I kind of want to resist it. Kind of want to walk away from those people. Jesus says don't resist it. And in fact, when they do slap you across the right, right cheek, turn. Give them the left. Jesus was the perfect example of this when he went to the cross. And Pilate was saying, give us an account. Give us your defense. Fight for yourself or you're about to get hung on a cross. I'm not playing with you. You will die. And it says Jesus was silent. And finally, he says, do what you must. Now our call as his followers is to Offer your right cheek when someone wants to do you harm. And when they do, turn and give them the left. This is radical. This is crazy. But it's the call of the genuine follower of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You can read in Matthew 6, uh, verse 16 and 18. He says we should fast. That's enough. We should go home. That's radical to us. Many of us don't fast. This is hard. This is challenging, right? But he doesn't only say fast that this is something we should do, but he also says that when you do it, put on makeup, girls, put on makeup and hide the fact that you are very hungry and really wanting food and you are really suffering right now. He says, don't let anyone know. I think it's kind of hard for us not to want to show off when we're doing something pretty great for the Lord, like, hey, fasted for 36 hours. How about you? Oh, none? You know, like, so he's saying, fast, don't tell anybody. can keep reading, and he says in chapter 6, verse 25, verse 34, and we're going to go through each one of these, uh, through these three series. He calls us to not have anxiety about the future, and this is hard for many of us, genuinely. He says, don't have anxiety, but, it, but in fact, trust in God that he will provide. And again, that can't just be a coffee cup saying, but then we're breathing in a paper bag about tomorrow. He's saying, don't just say you're gonna trust in me. Trust in me. Jesus calls us to a radical commitment to him. And this is actually all over the Bible. If you, if you uh, read elsewhere in the Gospels, he, he tells us to take up our cross and to die to self for the sake of the Gospel. To die to self. I got a couple slides away, I think. Don Carson says, to die to self. What's that mean, to die to self? I don't really like the idea of dying to self, but Don Carson says, to die to self means to consider it better to die than to lust. 
to consider it better to die than to tell a falsehood. That he's really making the point not to desire death, no. But he's saying that you should hate so much to turn away from what God has for you. To hate so much to be disobedient to Jesus Christ. We should have it anchored into our souls that I don't want to live how Jesus doesn't want me to live. This is Jesus' call that you should die to yourself. Meaning that you should hate to do what Jesus doesn't want you to do. And you should love, love and desire and pursue and crave to do what he wants you to do. These are radical callings to a Christian, but they're a test of our genuine commitment. And now I, I want to stop here too. And I want your eyes if you, if you can. I don't want you worried. I think... Uh, this kind of sermon series, this kind of sermon worries people that are genuinely saved, start questioning, maybe I'm not saved. And I recognize that, I see that. For my own personal example, I, when I was 16, and I really wasn't living the best life, I really wasn't doing great when it came up to Jesus' expectations presented in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, for a long time, was worried about my salvation. I was worried that, am I really saved because I'm not necessarily living that way? Maybe that's you, and I don't want to, there's a lot of people in here that I don't want to spark fear into. I don't want to, so to speak, rock the assurance of somebody that genuinely should have assurance and should rest in that assurance and be comfortable in that assurance that you are saved by a king who saves and has grace and mercy on people that just overflows love and acceptance despite our downfalls. He sees that we have a heart for him, but we are living wrecks. I don't want to rock the assurance of somebody that should have assurance, but maybe it is the case that there's somebody here that has assurance of their salvation that isn't worried, but really might need to consider deeply, am I committed to Jesus? And I don't want to do you wrong by not making you think deeply on that question, if that is you. So let me ask a few questions. Uh, so if that's you, and you're like, I don't know, am I? <laughs> am I not saved? Like, if that's you, breathe and consider some of these questions that I kind of thought through. Think through these questions for you personally. Being honest with yourself doesn't help to lie to yourself. You're only cheating yourself. Right? It's not great a test. Think about it. First one, do you have a genuine desire to follow the word of God? Like what Matthew 7 had to say, those who really put their foundation, the way they want to live their life on Jesus' teaching, do you have a genuine desire to follow the word of God? Now notice what I didn't say. I didn't say, do you know the word of God? You got it locked in your memory. Can you quote it when you need to? Can you really show off your knowledge about the historicity of Jesus? I'm not saying, do you know the Bible? You very well could know one verse or no verses. It's fine. My question was, do you have a genuine desire to follow the word of God as it's presented to you? That's the first one. The second one, does it bother you when you don't live as God would want you to? Again, I'm not saying, do you live how God would want you to all the time? That's not what I'm asking. It very well could be the case that there's a sin that you struggle with that you have messed up a million times. You lost count years ago of how many times you struggle with that sin. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not saying, do you do well in all 
areas sin? Do you just really just live a holy life? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, does it bother you? Does it wrench your soul when you act in a way that God doesn't want you to act? Does that get to you? Does that really stir your soul, a passion to strive to live a more holy life next time? Is that a passion that you have? That's the second question. The third one is, is your experience of God, does your experience of God consist of more than just head knowledge about him? Does it consist of a passion for him and his decrees? Again, it doesn't matter how much you know about God. There's a lot of people with, great, with a whole lot of theology and they have no relationship with God. I'm not asking how much do you know about God. I'm asking do you have a passion for him? Not just up here, but in here. Do you love Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And do you want to live a life that brings him glory? If you would say yes to those questions, those three questions I presented, I think you can rest and relax. Though you're struggling with probably many sins, rest in knowing that you have a foundation of the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, and you, you want to dig your roots into what he has to say. But if you were sitting there and you were saying, you know what, no, I really don't have a desire to follow God. I mean, I think I kind of do, but I, mm, ah, I don't know. Or maybe you would say, no, actually, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't get to me when I live this way or that way. It really doesn't get to me that much. Or maybe you would say uh, that your experience of him really isn't a deep and passionate one. It's just a head one. You just know about him. I would say think deeply. How much are you rooted into a commitment to him? Really, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a question we all need to consider. So we're going we're gonna, to... Uh, Respond in just meditation and thinking about this, praying to God. Uh, and I said last week, it's a, it's a discipline that a lot of us need to work on, I think, and being able to really spend about 10 minutes in prayer. Uh, I'm going to challenge you with that same challenge this week. There's two songs, I think two songs. And I want to challenge you to the best of your abilities. Try not to zone out. Try not to think about what's going on tomorrow, but use these 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And really talk with God about where you are with him and your commitment to him and your willingness to abide by even the most difficult of commands, even if they call you to some crazy, extreme, radical relationship with him. If you're willing to do that and say, you know what, I don't care if you tell me to stand on my head. If that means loving you better, I'm going to do it. Whatever it means, are you committed to a radical relationship with Jesus? I'm challenging you, 10 minutes. Really talk with God about that. And so you guys can stand up and, uh, and spread out. Those of you who have been here for quite a while, you can lead the way. Those who are new, you can just kind of follow suit. But really, there's two desires, two desires that I want to see tonight. And this applies to all people, okay? So if one, if you are not serious about your relationship with God, hear this, please. This is my desire for each one of you. If you are not serious about your relationship with God, I want you to, one, see your low commitment to God. I want it to be apparent to you. I want you to be aware of your low commitment and not only to be aware of it, but to have a soul-wrenching realization of I want to change that. I want to see somebody that says, you know, I'm really not committed to Jesus. To be honest with them, first of all, to be honest with yourselves, but then second, to say, I want to change that so bad. I 
want to be committed to Jesus. Whatever he calls me to, whatever he wants from me, I want to give it to him tenfold, overflowing willingness just to present myself before Jesus and to say anything that you would want because you died for me. I want the person that would say, you know what, I'm not committed. One, to see that, but then also two, to strive to change that. The second person those who are already serious about the relationship with God, that through this series, that they would continue to be stretched, that you would see places of maybe low commitment, though you are resting in your assurance and you are comfortable in where God has really spoken to you and enlightened you and brought you from death to life and really just illuminated your soul to how great he is that you want to live for him. But there are maybe places of weaknesses or places where you could grow in your commitment to him. To that person, I would say, Seek out as we read through the Sermon on the Mount. How can you grow? No one here should be stagnant in a relationship with God or content with stagnant relationship with God. That we should all seek out, God, where can you really stretch me? Where can you challenge me? Where can you work on me? And so if that's you, that's my prayer for you tonight. That you would seek for that and look for that and pursue that. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.